Would you guys uh, pray with me? God, we thank you so much for moments like these. We're able to worship you together and celebrate you and, and just kind of pull it back a bit and just focus on what it means to honor you. And so, God, today, with all of what we have going on in this room, all of the challenges and the struggles and yet all the joys, God, we pray that you would continue to walk with us, reveal to us the things that need to be changed, and, and God, continue to work in, in our hearts and our lives in a really strong way. And Give us that peace that passes understanding because we need it in the midst of maybe a challenge or a frustration or a health issue or, or something that's going on today, today, God. We just pray that you would give us that peace, that comfort that we need. And we just thank you for these things and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, obviously, our lights have a mind of their own today. Uh, I tell the tech guys, make sure that doesn't happen on my weekend, make sure it happens on Josh's weekend, but they didn't listen to me this week, so uh, that's why I try to let them know. Um, listen, if you happen to have a seizure today because of the lights, we do have medical professionals that will be happy to help you today, and uh, we're sorry about that, but it is, it is the way it is, but I like this, we seem to be all good right now, so that is good. Uh, I know, don't, don't say it out loud. Well, we're in our last uh, message series uh, of our series called The Chosen, and we have been looking at different people who encountered Jesus. Some of them are unexpected, like the governor Pilate who condemned Jesus, the centurion who crucified Jesus, the thief on the cross who made a request of Jesus, Thomas who doubted Jesus, Mary Magdalene who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus, and now today, a man that you don't hear many sermons about, and we certainly don't name our boys this, Judas Iscariot. You know, names are important. I read about a couple who had an intruder that came into their bedroom. The thief pulled out a knife and announced, now that you've seen me, I'm going to have to kill you. And he pointed the knife at the wife and said, I'd like to know the name of my victims. What's yours? Elizabeth, she replied. And the intruder looked shocked and said, I just can't do it. I can't do it. My mom's name is Elizabeth. And then recovering his composure, he asked the husband, what's your name? And the husband looked at the knife and then looked at his wife, and then back at the burglar and said, Joe, my name's Joe, but my friends call me Elizabeth. <laughs> According to the website Danalize, uh, one out of every 80,898 baby boys born in 2021 was named Judas, one out of almost 81,000. Do you know what the most popular boy's name in 2021 was? Liam. One out of 92 boys in 2021 was named Liam. We don't hear the name Judas very much, and that is because we associate the name Judas with the one who betrayed Jesus. And maybe that's not completely fair for the name Judas, but that is what we do. Benedict Arnold is someone that we all know in our country's history. He was once very respected. He was a general in the Revolutionary Army, was a friend of George Washington, but for $20,000, Benedict Arnold betrayed his country and surrendered the fort at West Point. We look down on those acts as treasonous. How could he? And that's a good question. How could somebody who was with Jesus for three years betray him for a mere 30 pieces of silver? But then I remember the times in my own life that I betrayed the Lord, times when I let him down. Times when I act one way and then act another. And today, 
We're going to look at the story of Judas and the slippery slope that he went down, and we're going to see that we sometimes can do the same thing. But one thing I want you to notice about Judas first is that he had a unique purpose. You ever wondered why would Jesus choose Judas Iscariot in the first place? I mean, didn't he know in advance that Judas was going to betray him? And if so, why did he bother to select him in the first place? Here Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew what was in the heart of man. He knew the future. He knew from the very beginning that Judas would betray him. But why did he select him in the first place? He also knew Peter would deny him, by the way. He also knew Thomas would doubt him. And yet, he still chose them. Jesus chose Judas, I think, because of his potential. Judas had this ability to handle money, and every organization needs somebody with some responsibility there, and Judas had that ability. John chapter 12, verse 6 tells us that Judas was the treasurer of the group. He was the keeper of the money bag. Maybe that's why Jesus selected him. In fact, and we read in the early days of the first church in the book of Acts that there was a need for someone like this. In fact, they brought in money, and they put it at the apostles' feet, and then they could distribute it to those who had need. But in Acts chapter 4, we find out that there was a dispute over these things, that some people were frustrated about the distribution of the money. And maybe, maybe if Judas had, had repented from what he had done, maybe he still would have been used in that way, and the early church could have used Judas in that role. And maybe it would have gone more smoothly. A.W. Tozer once said, God Uh, can use every vessel, even if it's cracked, as long as it's clean. And God could have used Judas. And all of us have potential today. The amazing thing is that God uses all of us despite our imperfections. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God has plans for your life, plans to give you hope and a future. Every single person in here is at times a mess, but every one of us has the opportunity to be used to, to... to present God's message. We're the ones who have the potential to be used in his kingdom in some way, despite our imperfections. But what happened with Judas? He began to gradually erode in his relationship with God. Judas definitely had potential, but he never reached it because there was just this gradual erosion in his life. Now, some people have said, maybe Judas betrayed Christ because he was greedy. And and by the way, John chapter 12, verse 6 does say he was greedy. It said he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. He was stealing from the petty cash. So Judas had a problem with greed, and some people believe that he just got so greedy that he wanted to sell Christ for 30 pieces of silver. But that doesn't really hold water because 30 pieces of silver is not really that much. That was the price of a slave in that day. Back in the Old Testament, in Judges chapter 16, it says the Philistines offered Delilah much more than 30 pieces of silver to hand Samson over to them. In fact, they offered her 1,100 shekels of silver each if they would deliver Samson. Now, if they would give 1,100 shekels to Delilah, I mean, how much would have it cost and how much would have they given for Christ to be delivered to them? Others believe that Judas betrayed Christ because he was just impatient. He thought that Jesus was supposed to be a, 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 a political leader to overthrow Rome, and he got tired of all the love and miracles and all this, and instead, let's get him to overturn and overthrow Rome. And so he was going to force his hand, and maybe if he turns him over, that'll cause him to become angry, and he'll start a revolution. 
Well, that's an interesting theory, but I don't think it holds water scripturally. It makes Judas not guilty of betrayal, but just bad judgment. John chapter 13, chapter 21 tells us that at the Last Supper, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. Jesus said this was not an act to overthrow Rome, that instead it was an act of betrayal and that Satan would enter Judas. He was guilty of betraying Christ. I think the reason that Judas did it was just a gradual erosion in the relationship. I think that Judas has the same experience that a lot of us have. He just started to gradually drift away from Christ, and almost unnoticeably, he became bitter and calloused and cynical and satanic. Maybe he began with greed, and then he started taking a little money. He started to think to himself, hey, I, I deserve a little bit of this. I, I need a little reimbursement for being the treasurer. And slowly his attitude changed. Instead of a teachable spirit, he became cynical. Instead of enjoying the fellowship of the disciples, he became critical of them. Instead of loving Jesus, he began to resent him. And he really resented him after Mary broke open the expensive jar of perfume, poured it out on Jesus' feet, and wiped it with her hair. And then Judas rebuked Mary for this waste. And then Jesus rebuked Judas. And I just wonder if that was the moment where he goes, that's it. I'm done with this. Now, how many of you realize we don't, we don't like to be told what to do? Uh, anybody ever been pulled over by an officer and you were speeding, you were going too fast, but instead of just accepting it, you become defiant? Why don't you go after the real criminals? I, I was just in the flow of traffic after all. There's just something inside of us that just wants to rebel against authority. We don't like to be told what to do. And maybe Judas got angry at Jesus for confronting him with his greed. And, and maybe he said, that's it. That's the last straw. And he stormed out and he made an arrangement with the enemies of Christ. However it happened. What I want you to see is it didn't happen suddenly. It, it was not an impulsive decision. It happened over time. No man suddenly becomes corrupt. No garden is suddenly overwhelmed with weeds. No marriage suddenly breaks down. It happens to us in our relationship with the Lord. It doesn't happen immediately. It happens gradually. We start to drift. Several years ago, uh, the men in our family took a camping trip to Quetico, Canada, and we had a blast. And this is the group that went with us. And uh, after the trip was over, and in a nod to Jonathan, who's in the hospital right now, I put up a picture of him and me next. And uh, that, that's, a, that's the closest we'll probably ever look toward each other. I, it is gray when it grows out. And this was like a few years ago. So it's worse today. You ask, why don't I grow a beard like that? Because it makes me look way too much like Brett Favre. Okay? I, re I almost put a side-by-side -side up there. But just trust me, it is absolutely the case. And, uh, and, and so that's, this, that's the deal. But one day, it was a particularly windy day on this canoe trip. And as we were canoeing across these lakes and then portaging our stuff to the next uh, site, we'd go to the next lake, we'd, we'd go through another lake. 
it was very windy. It was toward the end of our trip. The canoes were light. And Jonathan and Matthew were in a canoe together. And this is a picture that Jonathan took of Matthew. And this is when Matthew was smaller. And, and like I said, the packs were lighter. And the wind was blowing. And we realized that Jonathan and Matthew were just being taken away from us and drifting over toward another shore. We yelled out to him, Jonathan, you're drifting. And he said, we know. You know, we know. I mean, like, he's working as hard as he can, but it can't help it. And they drift over to this other shore. And, and finally, uh, Ben and I were able to navigate our way over toward that other shore, too, where we transferred some of our stuff into their canoe. We transferred some people, and we made sure that everybody had kind of equal weight so that we could continue on. But the wind was so powerful that they drifted at first without notice. And then it became more obvious. Friends, the wind of our culture is so strong today that if we aren't careful, we will find ourselves drifting. And one day we will end up on a shore that we did not expect. The devil likes to get a hold of us gradually. James chapter 1, verse 14. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Then after, evil, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. It's a progression. So we have to be careful with the same thing that can happen to Judas. Judas lived for three years. A friend of Jesus walked hand in hand, and instead of growing closer with him, they drifted apart. Just because you're near to the Lord doesn't mean that you're going to be spiritual. You might have godly parents. You might go to church every Sunday. You might lift your hands in worship. But meanwhile, you find yourself far away. And maybe in your heart, you're just going through the motions. And you pull it off. Nobody notices. But I would urge you to just humble yourself before the Lord. Ask God to create in you a new heart, a clean heart. Not just show it on the outside. And make Christ's love penetrate your heart once again. You'll be teachable and humble before Christ. Not only was there a gradual erosion, there was also a conscious decision. Judas went from allowing this relationship to erode to make a conscious decision. Luke chapter 22, it says, Now the feast of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way <coughs> to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. So we need to notice, the chief priests did not go to Judas. Judas went to them. He deliberately looked for a way to give Jesus over to them. He planned out his betrayal. He thought through what his price would be. He looked for the right opportunity to talk to the chief priests. He planned a time to hand Jesus over to them. And so a riot would not ensue. From beginning to end, Judas plotted in his heart to betray a friend. And he found his opportunity in Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over and pray. But we know his disciples couldn't stay awake. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. 
And while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. At the moment when Jesus needed him the most, Judas came with a mob that was about to beat him nearly to death, humiliate him, and eventually execute him. And Judas led the charge. He allowed himself to drift so far from the Lord, he didn't even think about the consequences. He couldn't even tell the difference between right and wrong. And that often happens to us. But it usually ends in a tragic result. The Bible records that there were some terrible consequences for Judas and, of course, for Christ. Verse chapter 27 of Matthew says, Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him, led him away, and had him over, handed him over to Pilate, the governor. And when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and elders. I've sinned, he said for I betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left, then went away and hanged himself. And that is such a sad sequence of events. Judas stood off in the distance. He watched his friend being beaten and condemned to die and suddenly saw himself for what he really was, a traitor. He felt a failure He felt alone. He felt guilty. He raced back in the temple. He took those 30 coins. He said, take them back. Please take them back. I'm guilty of this man's blood. Please remove this deed from me. And they said, what is that to us? That's none of our business, and that is your problem. And out of desperation, Judas threw the money back down on the the ground, raced out of the temple, and in the final scene of Judas's life, it's one of him climbing a tree, ground down by guilt and loneliness and failure, tied a rope around his neck and jumped and committed suicide. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us that his body hung there so long that the rope eventually broke and he fell to the rocks below and his body was crushed. And you know what that tells me? In contrast with the friends of Jesus who lovingly brought his body down off the cross, Judas died alone. Nobody cared. He alienated everybody. In Judas's case, his betrayal led to guilt and damaged relationships and eventually death, and that price was very, very high. They were for Judas, and they are for us too. Judas anticipated that good things were going to happen. Maybe he'd have new friends. Maybe there'd be a revolt. But in the end, he felt miserable. The Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. So can I just ask you today, In what way in your heart are you drifting from the Savior? In what way today have you found yourself moving further and further away from Him? The consequences of that kind of attitude, that kind of betrayal, are devastating. So think today, where are you in your relationship with Christ? Have you found yourself drifting from Him, or do you find yourself humbly coming back to Him? Is there that one moment that you wish you could take back? I read a story about Lou Gehrig, the great hitter from the New York Yankees, who once came up to bat in the bottom of the ninth inning in a crucial game 
in which the Yankees were behind by one run and there were two outs and the bases were full and everybody anticipated this great man of iron was going to get a hit. And everybody stood as the count was three and two and the pitcher wound up and it was the third strike and it came smoking over the plate. <coughs> Garrig never even lifted the bat off his shoulder and the umpire yelled strike three. And with that, Garrig turned and said something to the umpire. The reporters spilled onto the field. They wanted to know, Lou Gehrig, what did you say to the umpire? It was so unusual for him to argue a call. And here he was, Gehrig, kind of a, uh, kind of a quiet man, pawed at the ground and finally called over the umpire and said, tell these men what I said to you at strike three. And the umpire grinned and he said, well, all he said was he'd give $100 if he could have that pitch back. And you know what? There's a lot of us who take $100, maybe $1,000. You'd give that if there was a moment in your life that you could take back and you could relive. I'm sure Judas would. This is a moment that if he could look back and say, boy, if I could have done it differently, I sure would have. But the great news of the gospel is this. Although we cannot relive those moments, the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away those moments. The Bible says, although your sins are scarlet, God can make them white of snow. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. New things will become. And you know, there are two stories in the Bible of, of clear betrayal when it came to the death of Christ. One was the story of Judas who betrayed Jesus, Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. The other is the story of Peter. Peter denied Jesus. said, I don't even know the man. Peter betrayed the Lord. But when he betrayed him, he wept, he repented, and he lived on to make an incredible impact for the kingdom of God. Yes, he messed up. Yes, he betrayed the Lord. But he wasn't about to quit. And I really believe that Judas could have been used. He still could have fulfilled his purpose. He still could have done what God had called him to, even though he betrayed the Lord. He could have come back to the Lord and said, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm, I'm humble before you. God, I repent before you. But he didn't. He went out and in desperation just said, my life is over. And he killed himself. Peter. Peter came to Jesus, the risen Jesus. They met together on the shore. He said, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And Jesus said, listen, come feed my sheep, Peter. You can be used again. I'll use you. And he said, I want you to to be a leader in the church. And he allowed Peter to preach the very first sermon ever preached on the day of Pentecost as he was leading the church in Jerusalem. And, and, and Jesus just said, hey, listen, wipe clean, fresh slate, forgiven. There is no sin that you've ever committed that God cannot forgive. We cannot forgive it on our own. All the tears in the world cannot erase it, but the blood of Christ can. And the blood of Christ could have for Judas too if he just would have humbly come before the Lord. So today, wherever you are, there's hope. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter what things you've done, no matter what mistakes you've made, God says you can come back home. And that's what we pray for today. That maybe in these moments you would be willing to say, God, I know you love me right where I am today. That God does love you. That God wants you to come back home. So would you just pray with me, God? Thank you. For the story of Judas, 
for the potential that he had. God, we know that he was used in the crucifixion. We know that he betrayed you. And God, we know that his life ended very sadly. But we also know, God, that that you have grace, that you have mercy for people like Peter who came back to you and said, God, I, I blew it. I denied you. I said I would go to the death for you, but I let you down. And then Jesus in his grace said, that's okay. No one's righteous, not even one. You can still be used. And so God, for that grace, we're thankful today. Thank you that you choose us. Thank you that you use us. And God, thank you that you allow us to be, to come back. And to even though when we find ourselves on another shore, to be able to recalibrate and rearrange and be able to get back in the right path. And God, we're thankful for that. And today, 